But my, my key learning, I think, for me, and it seems to resonate very strongly with me, is to continually learn because yeah. a lot of them have said the reason why they're successful is because they're continually learning and investing into their education and their mindset. Welcome to the Get Invested Podcast, where we share conversations I've enjoyed with experts from all walks of life to uncover their secret know-how on where they invest their time, their skills, and their money, and the benefits this has created. Get Invested helps you to live more, work less, and leave a legacy by investing now. Listen to the show to discover top tips on how to get started, to make the most of your investment journey, and ultimately, to be living the dream. More episodes can be found on iTunes or at khgroup.com.au forward slash get invested. Thanks for listening, and let's get invested. Welcome back, Freedom Fighters. Do you know what's the most common trait of all successful people across all fields? They are all lifelong learners. They're always questioning. They're not scared to ask. They're not scared to reach out to the best of the best and learn from them. They're always reading. They're always improving. They're always seeking and taking in knowledge and honing skill. But here's the most important part. They then action it. Today you'll learn from someone who really walks their talk in this regard. He's an expert at turning the best knowledge into the best action. Tyrone Chum is someone who has combined his passions for property and his skills in digital marketing into his own podcast, the very popular Property Investory. And it distills all of the best property investment advice from all of the best industry leaders. You'll learn about just-in-time learning, the power of 54321, and many other very useful tips will help you on your investment journey. So please enjoy Tyrone Chum. Welcome back to Get Invested Freedom Fighters, and today I've got the very great pleasure of spending some time with Tyrone Chum. I've been uh, very fortunate to have had the opportunity of uh, having a good chat with Tyrone some time back on his uh, very popular podcast, The uh, Property Investory, and he's been kind enough to uh, reverse roles today and give me an opportunity to have a chat about uh, Tyrone and his own journey so far. Welcome aboard, Tyrone. Great to have you here. Thanks so much for having me today, Bush. It's a pleasure to be able to share and uh, come onto the podcast. Brilliant, mate. Now, I, I, for those that haven't had a chance to listen to Property Investory yet, and for those that don't uh, know a lot about you, can you just give us a bit of an intro on who you are and what you do? Sure. So, I'm the host of Property Investory Podcast, a podcast where we inspire, motivate, and bring light to the property experts all across Australia. We've had some amazing speakers and experts and property investors on this podcast sharing their stories. And the whole emphasis of this particular podcast is to get and delve down into their story on how they got into property investing and share why they got into property investing as well. So it's it's been a wonderful journey because I started this podcast uh, back in 2017. And since then, we've had over 400,000 people download the podcast and also impact thousands and thousands of lives. Massive. Yeah, I mean, that's an extraordinary uh, audience you've managed to build up uh, so quickly, mate. And congratulations to you and, and your uh, 
efforts to do that. Mate, I, d- digging a little bit deeper than then, and I'm looking for motivations here, why do you do what you do, mate? I love investing into property and love learning about how property works and speaking to the people because at the end of the day, property itself is just a, a you can say it's just a, a physical item that just sits there and people need to live in one or need to use one whether or not it's for their own use or to rent it out to other people. Um, so it, in itself, property itself is nothing much more than just a physical asset. What is interesting about it is the relationships and the people who actually build up these properties and it's astounding how so many people uh, can do it in, in such a short period of time and what's interesting about it is that the people who have been successful, they've built it up um, one step at a time and that's why I love actually tapping into these people, asking them exactly how they do it and sharing their story behind it because it, it's actually not hard. It's it's very, very simple if you just follow a simple strategy and, a, and a, um, the specific methods that people have done because there's so many proven successes already in the past. And furthermore, a lot of the people who have been really successful and really wealthy are the ones who have invested a lot of their money into property as well. Yeah, very good call. And I, I, I'm going to come back to that a little bit later uh, after we've sort of dive deep in relation to your own personal journey because uh, I'm, I'm keen to share with our audience uh, some of the lessons learned there. But uh, let, let me wind it back quite a bit now, Tyrone, because I sort of want to understand the motivations behind your journey. And uh, let, take us back to you know when you left school or around about that time. Uh, what did you decide to do and why, and then because I'm wanting to focus on that why yeah, in terms of the changes you've made, uh, and what's can you walk us through uh, from there through until what you're doing now? Sure. So back at school, I went. I had a pretty good upbringing. I went to private school in Sydney and uh, had really really fortunate opportunities because my parents sent me to an excellent school that allowed me to get involved in not just academically like do well there, but also in many co-curricular co-curricular activities and also sporting events and so forth. So I had a very good balanced life when I was growing up as a kid and it got me um, thinking because there's so many opportunities to, to get into different areas such as like sports or into computers or into economics and so forth and I was very, very much um, an, a big option to choose and I, as I did well in, in my HSC back then, that's when it was called HSC, I think it's called um, some other term now but when yeah. I did so well in that I was I had many opportunities to go to university and through there I had a, a very strong interest in IT because one of my uncles who is or previously was the chief information officer for GE he had a, a great influence on me to um, I guess delve into more of technology and, and learn more about it and because of that he helped me out with my first computers you know taught me a lot about how it all worked and that kind of got me inspired into getting into a computer science degree at the University of New South Wales. So basically okay. after high school, I pretty much did what every kid would do, take a little bit of time off from um, school over that, that Christmas period and then went straight into uni. I think my first class started in March of the following year. And yep. from there, I, I did three and a half years of uni at um, computer science. And at first, the, the first year of computer science, I was a bit shocked because it wasn't exactly what I expected in computers. They they talked a lot about programming, talked a lot about logic and math and I thought, I'm good at that but I never liked it. 
<laughs> I was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> so, um, it, it kind of, you know, got me thinking a little bit more and, and unfortunately in that first year, I did fail a few subjects because I think I was too busy chasing after girls and <laughs> exploring what it was yeah. like to, to be an adult because <laughs> when you go to uni, you have a lot more... Um, yeah, there's a lot more opportunity but also a lot more flexibility so you end up just skipping yeah. class and doing whatever you want. So, I learned, yeah. learned a big lesson there is that if you don't put your mind to it, things can really, you know, turn go south for me um, yeah. and, and, and that's that's what happened. There was a big turning point at that time because I was questioning myself, is computers science really for me or, or technology really for me as a career and um, at that point, one of my aunties actually gave me a book which coincidentally it came out only you know a few years prior to that called rich dad poor dad which i'm sure a lot of people have read um it's one of the (laughs) yes well it's probably one of the biggest recommended books on the property investory podcast by all property investors and that particular book really propelled me forward into looking at opportunities in terms of business property and shares and all all the things that are, are potential for entrepreneurs and when I read that book, it kind of opened up my eyes going, wow, I didn't realize there's actually more to this than just going to uni, getting a good job and, and pursuing a career in that. And it kind of made me move into a different direction saying to myself, okay. look, I'll finish my degree, you know, finish the last two years of what I need to do in computer science, but I'm not going to stick with computers and just move on to my own business. And that's what I actually did was I started a vending machine business in the first year of uni, like towards the end of, of uni after reading that book okay. and also yeah. starting learning a little bit more about real estate. So, after I finished my degree, um, long story short was I went straight into real estate and I, I acted as an agent for LJ Hooker and also for Ray White as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I've done, yeah, there you go. Awesome, mate. So, it's, so the, the penny that dropped out of, and I call it my key psychic moment as well, was the was the passive income exercise? Is that is that what the the major change in your thinking was at that time? And and the and the benefit of property as a means to help create that is that absolutely was that, uh, that, that yeah? was exactly right. And that's the reason why I went down that path because from what Robert Kiyosaki taught us in there is rather than work for your money, you know, being in the E quadrant, a look at business opportunities where you can generate passive income, so that way you don't have to work hard and you become a B or I. Quadrant business B for yeah. stands for business owner and I for investor, and to this day it's yeah. always been my my mindset behind that. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I mean it's it's awesome that you were able to pick that up um, so early in in the journey for you, mate. Because a lot of, a lot of people don't even uh, uh, start thinking about that until they're well into thirties, forties, and even sometimes fifties. So uh, it's it's. Can you remember? And I'm really drilling down here, but taking us right back to what, what what was it that made you pick up that book? I think it was because it was a very easy to read. The The thing I remember very clearly was that night when I got that book from my auntie, she she said, just have a read of it, you know, it's, it's easy to read. And when I first picked up mm. the, the book and started reading the first chapter, I couldn't put it down. So, the whole night, <laughs> I was up pretty much reading the whole book and I think it took me only... <laughs> Yeah, probably a few hours to get it done in the morning. I was like, oh, I didn't sleep. <laughs> I read the whole book. So, awesome. that, I think it was because Robert broke it down in, in very simple chapters and easy lessons. And from memory, there was only five easy, five or six easy lessons in there which um, propelled me forward. And I thought, wow, I could just you know, take some of these principles and some of these ideas and start applying it straight away. And, and that's where the vending machine idea came about because he said he had a laundromat where he just 
go in, um, pick up the, mm. the money and then, you know, use that to reinvest. And the concept was very simple, but the whole yeah. thing was if you can take that principle and apply to anything that you, you see an opportunity to, your eyes open up to different things to do. Yeah. And that, that's how I yeah. came across the vending machine business. I thought, I'll go and buy a vending machine, set it up in a few different locations and then just go back there weekly to refill and pick up the money that's, that's been generated. And it worked out, you know, quite well. Um, yeah, so that, that's where my first journey started. And from there, I wanted to get more experience in property because from what Robert was saying, you know, he was buying property and, and he was generating passive income. So I thought, why not get into real estate? So I jumped into yeah. real estate and became an agent for the first uh, three, three and a half years or so of um, after my uni, university degree. And uh, what did you learn from that? And then what was the next move and why from there, mate? So getting into real estate opened up my eyes to what the real estate um, or the property market looked like because I had absolutely no idea. I, I didn't realize that um, <laughs> uh, how, how um, fluid, I guess I wouldn't say the word fluid maybe actually. It's more like um, slow moving it is in, in that kind of market because it, there's no regulations behind it. Like for example, if we look at shares, um, shares is all controlled by an electronic system now but back then, you could actually see day-to-day -day how much a stock is worth. The price of it, it it's yep. live. It, it changes up and down every few seconds or so. It's very fluid. You can actually see it live. Um, yes. yep. so it's completely different with property. It's like one day your property could be worth you know, 100000 is just an example. And the next day, if you go down the road and, and you get another value, they could say it's worth 150000 depending on what you do to it. Mm. So you can easily add value. You can easily... Um, look at how the market changes and no one knows exactly how much your property is worth until you actually sell it because that's when it meets the market to actually you know, yeah. get, get your price. And that's what really fascinated yeah. me because when I was acting as an agent for a number of my vendors and, and became really good at that, all I had to do was mm. actually present some comparables in the area and looking at those comparables, I could say your property could be worth this but I can't guarantee that it's going to sell this price but we'll do the best to achieve the best result for you. And that's where I learned all about the, <clears throat> the side of marketing. I learned the side of how to um, negotiate with a vendor, understood how all the contracts worked because you, you need to know all these things as a real estate agent and also understand what things within a property make it very, very sellable and also what things don't as well too. So you learn the ins and outs of it because for the first probably six months, I was pretty much in the back of a car with the property manager who just said to me, you know, let's hop in, follow me what I do and just learn the ropes. And, and that's, that's where I first started because it's such an essential thing. Like how often do you actually get a chance to hop into... Um, everyone's houses and look at it without them <laughs> suspecting you're looking for something else. You know, the only way you to do that is a property <laughs> property manager. You know, because you, you know yeah. you go go in there to fix repairs or or to do inspections yeah. and so forth. And that's the opportunity to be able to see what different houses are like. And the funny thing is, to this day, because of that area which is North Ride within uh, and Macquarie Park within um, Sydney, I still very vividly remember what's inside a lot of these houses and because of that knowledge I have, I can easily just look at a house and compare them and, and determine what prices it's worth and um, that has given me a huge advantage on what to look out for when I'm doing, for example, property development as well too. Massive. So, it's, uh, let, let's talk about your own property investment journey then. Uh, when did you 
invest in your own first property and, and what's it look like now as far as your portfolio goes? So for me, I invested into a property when I first um, started with Steve McKnight's results mentoring program going back about maybe right. 14, 14 years ago and um, I bought my first yep. property in um, West Wyland which was a, a regional town and I bought that one for like 105000 because it was, it was positive cash flow and it had a, a commercial yep. and a residential section so I got dual rent, you know, commercial down the bottom or retail right. section and a residential and from day one, it was positive cash flow paid for itself and I had that property for, for many, many years actually and, and it pretty much did its own thing. Um, there were times that I had some issues with the tenant um, but you know, I think biggest lesson learned was rather than manage it yourself because that's what I did. I managed it myself from afar. Uh, I should have got a, a property manager to do it. So I think as, a, as the first real experience of managing my own property, it was good. But long-term wise, if you're looking at a builder portfolio, I definitely highly recommend to get a property manager. And that was, I think, the biggest learning lesson because there'd be times when he didn't pay rent on time and you know, because of, I was the owner chasing him, I don't think he took me seriously. Secondly, when there was repairs to be done, I actually had to go out there and, and you know, try and talk with him to try and help him fix it up and all that kind of stuff. So, it was a lot more um, pain <laughs> and, and a lot of hassle to, to manage that property initially but I think the biggest learning lesson for me was once I um, got the hang of it and then I, I sold the property off, I was ha quite happy to, to take that as being learning lessons as well. Um, yeah. yeah. So, moving forward for me, I mean, we, we bought our family home um, many years ago back now and uh, since then, I've actually been focusing my efforts on property development. So, that, that's where my journey is going because where I live right now, very close to where it is, there's been a lot of rezoning and a lot of new train stations being built and my focus has been solely on property development. Right. And on a on a buy build sell or a buy build whole basis or a bit of a mix of both. Probably a bit of a mix of both at the moment because my plans are is to um, rezone the place or not rezone but re get DA approval and then potentially sell off. But if it's it's a feasible to build and, and the timing's right, then I'll probably go ahead and get developed. But that depends on on the property as well. So it's going to be mm -hmm. all by case basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Now that, that's awesome, mate. So. Uh, if I look at, at so you spent some time with LJ Hooker and then Ray White, uh, obviously a divergence there at some point to then move into the digital world. Uh, when and why? Ah, that's a good question. So what happened was after I, I finished um, working in real estate for three and a half years or so, I wanted a bit of a change because I, I want to start my own business. And the business I actually stumbled into was actually a dragon boat paddle products based business. And okay, yeah, it was because okay. I was actually doing that as my sport. Um, on after hours, I I was very heavily involved in competing. I, I competed at national level. We we won, and we potentially had um, competition to actually compete over in. Uh, from memory, it was either in the States or somewhere like that but I could have gone to international competition but I stopped it at that because it was more hours of training. I was already training three or four times a week and then if I had to commit to training at international level, it would be pretty much every day so I said, no, that's enough yeah. for me. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to work. <laughs> Great sport though. I uh, spent some time dragon boat racing a long time ago uh, here in Adelaide and it was awesome fun. Great team sport, very physical, a lot of coordination 
uh, yeah, it's a great fun. So you, you're still involved in it or you've given that away? No, I gave that away. I even sold the business as well too many, many years ago. I think that's what happens when you have kids. You just don't find the time to yeah. do as many of those activities. So um, yeah, it was given up a, a while ago. But that, that's basically the sport I, I, I sort of stumbled across because one of my mates just invited me to attend one day and I thought, this is, looks fun. And then I just got really heavily involved in it and it was a great sport to to really get fit and make a lot of um, great friends and build a community and, and just get involved. And the funny thing was that um, I was also uh, trying to find a paddle for myself because I was getting quite serious at competing and having a paddle was or buying a paddle was quite um, hard because a lot of the paddles out there were not that good. M- majority of them were, were wooden. Okay. But if you want to take it yeah. to the next level, you want to probably get one that's like a carbon fiber and they're really light. They're like probably about, I don't know, maybe three quarter or probably a quarter of the weight of a wooden paddle. I just can't remember the, or the weighting yeah. of it, but it's just very light. And to get one of those, you'd have to order it directly from the States. So to order a paddle from memory, the costings were about $180 Australian and to get yeah. the shipping was about $180 as well. So by the time you import just one paddle, it would cost me 360 bucks just to order one. Yeah, a bit expensive. So um, being mm. the entrepreneur I was, I was wise and, and learning about you know how to um, apply some of the principle that Rich Dad, Poor Dad taught me about um, business, I put together an order of about 40 paddles and I said to two teams, if, if you guys order these paddles, 40 paddles, you know we can get it at a relatively good discount and also to having yeah. shipping included and that's exactly what I did. I, I, I took that opportunity up and instead I got myself a free paddle. <laughs> so, instead of buying <laughs> one full, I bought myself, it. got one a free paddle and and oh, that's when great. the journey began to start up a business to sell these things and um, it took off really well. You know, I ran it for about two, two and a half years or so and um, yeah. yeah, eventually sold the business off and that's helped me buy my, my home which is, which is phenomenal. So, oh, that's where… Oh. The journey started in in business and then from there, I started subletting properties uh, as my second business. So, I'd rent um, these big houses like four or five bedroom houses and then I'd sublet them out to students in the local area and that was my passive income for for a period of time and I did that for a while. So, yeah, that's that's kind of pretty much where I got started back in property and then eventually, I decided, oh… because I, I, I'm the type of person who gets bored quite easily if it's not challenging enough for me. So, I, I jumped into right. numerous different types of businesses and that's where I started doing a digital marketing agency, selling um, different services and, and bringing in different types of um, clients to help them. So, I've done a little bit of YouTube marketing, I've done a bit of uh, search engine optimization and that was my business for the last uh, seven years. So, yeah, I continued to do that. Years? Yeah, for the last seven years. And um, it- Okay, and again, obviously, uh, you're with that entrepreneurial spirit. I'm, I'm hearing, and also, I'm, I'm hearing someone who really re- researches something to the nth degree. Uh, it finds out everything about it uh, and leaps in um, the because the digital marketing world is a is a pioneering in terms of uh, where that's heading and, and what it's doing, uh, and the that digital marketing tab covers a thousand different evils sitting underneath it in terms of programs and approaches and all the rest of it. How have you weaved your way into that and, and, and created your place in that quite, quite diverse but, but very big space? Mm. So, 
what was happening was during that time when I was actually um, successfully running the Dragon Boat business and also um, running the, the subletting business as well to generate some passive income, I had a few people actually approach me and said, you know, um, can you help me with creating our website? And at that time, I had also discovered um, Tim Ferriss' 4-Hour Workweek as well. So that was also yes. another pivotal point in my life where I didn't realize it was possible to live and outsource a lot of your work because I kept doing everything myself for a while. And when I read that yes. book and, and learned all about how to outsource, I learned how to also create a lifestyle and, and design it the way I wanted. I started applying on those principles and started getting clients come in because they saw how I was creating these websites for these companies. And that's where my journey began was I had a particular company who approached me to help them with updating their website and also do some of their video marketing campaigns as well. And when I thought, oh, hold on, I don't need to do this myself even though I've got the skills to do it and I've got the knowledge to do it, I actually found a developer out of the Philippines and he pretty much did it all for me and also I found a video editor in the Philippines too and you know for, for yeah. a fraction of the time and the cost that it would have taken me to to do it for my client you know um, I got them to do it I, I made a reasonable profit from it and I thought gosh it's not that hard I just get the client work um, brief my developer and editor on how to do it and then they'll get it done and I'll deliver and I'll make a profit and I thought okay I could do this a few times more <laughs> So yeah. that, that's where the entrepreneurial spirit kicked in and, and that's how I built up a, a digital agency and a business behind that. And uh, since then, I've been doing that for the last, as I mentioned, seven years in my own business and also helping large companies for the last three years as well. So 10 years, I've been in digital marketing and at that time um, where Ooh. I got into podcasting, which is where this, this leads into property podcasting, was I actually was doing it solely to generate some business and interview some experts in the digital marketing space for my business. Okay. And okay. I had already had about maybe two years worth of podcasting experience before I actually delved back into doing property because ultimately what happened with me was I've always been interested in property, had a lot of experience just from my real estate days and been always watching the market and keenly involved in it. But I, I just had this itch to go, okay, um, I wanted to just find out more and, and wanted to learn more from experts and I'd been sitting on that idea mm. for close to about two years before I decided, look, I'm going to start interviewing all these property experts because I know there were some really good podcasts out there but the biggest thing for me that was missing was the why and, and, and the journey behind it. A lot of them talked about the technical how to yes. invest into property, where to buy property yeah. and all the details and nitty-gritty of it but it was that why and that story yeah. that was missing and I thought... I wish someone could yes. do it instead of me having to do it. But in the end, I waited, waited, yeah. nothing happened. I thought, all right, I'm just going to do it. Just, you know, take take it by the horns and, and just push through. And, and that's what happened. That's what's happened over the last uh, year. It's just been phenomenal because I think that's what Actually. people wanted just as much as I did. Yeah, I, I, exactly right. You were probably uh, reading a need that everyone else has had the same question, but you're the only one who's uh, had the courage and the fortitude to go, right, let's do this. And given given the background that you'd already started to develop uh, in podcasting in the digital world, it's probably uh, potentially a lot easier for you to do that. And I, I guess, the, the, and I'm finding the same thing, Tyrone. That um, uh, I was uh, when I decided to to start the Get Invested podcast, just to help people start to think about investing their time, their energy, and money with intent, so that they um, uh, help themselves rather than that life happen to them. Uh, I thought, who's going to want to talk to me? 
Yeah, and it's amazing. I, I, perhaps people like to talk about themselves, so uh, I've had very few people say no. Uh, it's, and the ones that I thought would, wouldn't even have a think about it are, are happy to say yes. So it's and, and, and clearly you're very good at it because uh, the creme de la creme of the property market, uh, I don't think you've missed anyone uh, at all and there's probably still others that you've got coming on board that uh, obviously happy to, to share all uh, with property investory and, the, and just the easy going style that you uh, make it comfortable and safe for people to open up and, and talk about the ins and outs. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's been a phenomenal journey and I'm very grateful that a lot of the experts and property investors who have come on have been able to spend their time because it is an hour of their day to, to share their story and also their details and all the strategies and, and stuff behind it and it's a real privilege for me because I'm someone who just wants to learn. I just wanted to, to get some information yeah. and, and share that with other people and it's just been an amazing yeah. journey to be able to do that. Tell me, before before we start delving into some of the learning you've taken from property investor today, uh, I'm looking for common traits here and it, it, it sounds to me like you know, your your passion for learning is, is something that's driven you right from the get-go because uh, uh, you know, it sounds like you did very well with your HSC, as you said, and you know that the only ones who do well are the ones who really get stuck into it and 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 love the learning process. And I'm hearing hearing that as a common thread through the rest. Where, where did that love for learning come from, Tyrone? Is that I think you know, it's from you know a, what drives that from from a very young age. Uh, I remember a lot, my parents were always able to encourage me to read um, books when I was very young and. I think because I, I was, um, I guess I, I grew up in a family where English wasn't my first language. So I, I struggled initially when I was in primary school to pick up English and I was kind of like the little Nigel because I couldn't speak English. Uh, funny thing is now I'm <laughs> extremely fluent as an Aussie. Um, but it, 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 in saying that, I think it was because my parents, they did encourage me to read a lot and that's where I learned a lot. And then during the time of university when I was struggling to learn about computers and picking up the rich dad, poor dad, it, it drove me to learn a lot more about other things and I've had numerous influences like for example, a few of my cousins who loves to travel but also is is very open to learning new experiences and new dialects and languages and so forth. She also impacted me and influenced me on opening up my mind to different things. So that, that right. thirst for learning was there. My teachers, I had some really amazing teachers who um, taught me at school and they also encouraged a, a, a thirst of learning too. So a combination of all those things growing up really did help. And then when I started getting into property and because I had some really amazing uh, mentors and also great um, principals who I worked with in, inside the real estate business, they sent me to numerous courses which had some great trainers and that also um, pushed my learning even further. So. I've been very fortunate. I, I, I'm one who's a full advocate about education because I think that really helps with developing the skill set that you need because if you don't learn it and you don't spend the time uh, developing that skill, you can make a lot of mistakes and, and I've learned that just through my time. You know, I wish I spent a bit more time learning about um, property investing before I started investing. Then I wouldn't have made those mistakes I made and um, I think that's that's where the learning really comes from because it's so important and I, I've 
done the same thing with digital marketing. I, I spent so many hours learning about so many different types of skills and techniques and strategies and stuff before applying. And once I do, then I, I action it. And I think one other key takeaway I want to mention as well is once you learn something, you've got to try and apply it. So I, I try my best to do it just in time learning rather than learn yep. then you yep. know <laughs> apply many years later. So as soon as yep. I learn something, I go out and apply. And this yeah. is the thing that I've I've learned the most because it's easy to to get sucked into all that learning process, but then yep. the whole learning behind it is the action part because once you start applying, once you take action, once you actually experience what it's like to do what you've been taught, then it really sinks in. Like riding a bike, you know, if you, yeah. if you somebody just teaches yeah, you, shows the, you, you know, this is how you ride a yeah. bike, this is how you, you turn the keys, this is how you, you, you know, get on a bike, you're not going to learn anything until you actually hop on the bike, push yourself and, and you know, have a few fours and then balance yourself. That's when you really do learn. So, it's the same analogy. Great, great analogy and I, it, it's really interesting you picked it up because I, having uh, spoken to thousands of would-be and potential investors over the year and years in, in helping them in that. What I find is that quite often the knowledge becomes an excuse uh, and the more and more and more they learn uh, and they're therefore looking for the perfect property opportunity which, which never comes along, years will pass and they do nothing and, and time is often a very important ingredient in the uh, success if you're investing in property. So I think uh, that's a really, really good takeaway, Tyrone, in that you just take on the knowledge, but then, then use it and do something with it and, and then fine-tune things like like tacking like a... a um, if you're in a sailing boat and you're tacking towards the horizon, then then change course and, and divert as you're going, but do something because otherwise uh, head knowledge and, and paralysis analysis can really uh, prevent you from moving forward. Yeah, definitely. And... That's the biggest challenge that we all face is because there's so much information in the market, especially nowadays with the internet, the emergence of so many different social media channels and so many outlets that provide the information, it becomes information overload and you don't know where to go mm. and, and I think that's been the biggest challenge I've been facing as well too because I see so much data that comes at me day in, day out and I speak to so many people. You go, hmm, which one is going to be the, the best path and so forth and that's when you have to take a step back and go, okay, what are my personal goals? What do I want to achieve? And then from there, drill down exactly where you want to head and um, yeah, rather than being led, led, led by other Brilliant. people, lead, lead your, yeah, follow your dreams and your goals first. Uh, absolutely. Now, that, that's a perfect segue into what I was about to talk about in fact. Um, talk to us about your dream lifestyle, Tyrone. What, what does it look like? What are you doing? Who, with, where? And then is that any different to what you're doing? And if it is, what are you investing in to bridge the gap between where you are now and what the perfect world looks like for you? That's a great question. So, I, I, I guess with me, with my family and myself, I would love to be able to spend a few months living overseas um, in different locations. Like I, I've already experienced that already with my wife when we were much younger as well. Uh, we got to travel yeah. over in Asia and, and stay in various locations for a few months and just to nice. absorb what it's like in, in one country. And we did that over a three-month period um, and, and just had so much fun because one, not only does it open up your eyes to what is potentially um, different to in other countries because it, it gives you so many learning opportunities to one, experience culture, different types of food, different people, different surroundings and, and 
all the amazing things that that God has provided for us in on this planet, we yep. got to experience all those at a very young age because I set up the the kind of business that I could travel around anywhere and um, yeah, be able to still have income and, and, and passive income coming in to be able to support us whilst at the same time experiencing what life was about. So I got yeah. to do that for three months and I'd love to be able to do that again with my kids. Um, I'm, I'm at a very, you can say, early age of, of parenting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, very young kids at, at four and two. So yeah. stability for us and for them um, is key right now and yeah. I guess maybe when they're a little bit older and we, my wife and I have talked about this as well is we'll do a little bit more traveling around down the track but for now while they're growing up at this young age we've planted ourselves within the local community where we live within a church within schools and stuff like that just so that there's st- stability and so forth and we're happy yeah. the way it is right now that's kind of, kind of like the lifestyle that yeah. we're, we're living now um, as we get older and, and, and things change, then I'd love to be able to take them overseas, as I mentioned, for a few months t- for them to experience what it's like to be yeah. in different cultures and for them to learn different languages and, and pick things up. Especially my son, he's, yeah. he's a very fast learner as well too and he's, he's quite gifted in many ways. So I think he'll... Chip off the old block. <laughs> yep, that's right. Chip <laughs> off the old block. <laughs> so it, it's hard to say exactly what my ideal lifestyle would be... Um, for the future because kids um, would change depending on what, what kids is because everything is now evolving around our kids at this point in time. But I think yep. in terms of a happy and, and family type of lifestyle, where we are right now, stability and, and having a home and schools and church and so forth, we're, we're pretty happy where we are right now. Awesome. Um, yeah, and, and I guess in terms so, of, yeah. To enable that, so that, that transition into the, the sort of a more nomad lifestyle, and it's interesting you say because what what you've just talked about is exactly what my wife and I, Sonia, have set ourselves up to do: is that be able to live in different parts of the world for three months at a time, and have have the our investments fund the lifestyle here in Australia, and, and still spend uh, a fair bit of time here in enjoying the ongoing interaction with the investors that we've been lucky enough to um, work alongside. But ultimately, to be able to fund that ability to travel and, and soak ourselves into some rich and interesting cultures as part of the ongoing learning. Yes. But what are you, what are you going to invest in then, uh, between now and then, to assist you to be able to do that, mate? So I, I am currently investing quite heavily into property investry as itself. Um, that is the podcast which will inspire millions of people around Australia, but also at the same time the the property investry podcast is just one arm of the business. As I mentioned, I am involved in property development and doing a bit of that. So we have property investry group, which is the property development arm. And through that, that will help us to build and continue to build our portfolio, but also to um, continue to generate the income that we need to be able to you know, create a lifestyle that we want to go overseas and do yeah. those things as well. So that's right. what I'm doing. And I guess maybe to answer your question about the gap, what I'm doing right now is is to continue to um, develop the relationships with the people that would be able to help us to get along that journey and to yes. continue to learn from the mentors and, and to build those um, yeah connections up so that way we can actually close deals and, and put um, opportunities on the floor uh, for people out Brilliant. there. So that's, that's where we're heading and that's our journey there. Love it. Love it, mate. Well, it's uh, absolutely spot on. Now, that I... Just sort of pivoting slightly, then coming back to property investory. 
uh, as I've said a couple of times, in the in a rare and privileged position, really, in uh, being able to have had the opportunity to have quite in depth discussions with with the best of the best in the the property world. Are you able to share with us uh, some of the top tips that you've uh, personally taken away from that uh, year and a bit that you've um, been having those discussions? Sure. And uh, and this is the thing with so many guests we've had on the show, like over 150, there is so much um, different points of views, different mindsets, tips that they've provided, different books as well. And as I said to you, there's been Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Book, Poor Dad has probably been the number one mentioned book as well too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and also interesting thing, The Alchemist as well too, that's been mentioned quite heavily and yeah. uh, The Barefoot Investor too. So I think it, it draws upon those things. But my, my key learning I think for me and it seems to resonate very strongly with me is to continually learn because – yeah. A lot of them have said the reason why they're successful is because they're continually learning and investing into their education and their mindset. And because yeah. of that, they're able to grow to substantial leaps and bounds. Because at the end of the day, property, as I said early in the podcast, is just a physical asset that just sits there. It doesn't move, doesn't change or anything like that. The yeah. only difference is is how you perceive it and how you can bring an opportunity to the to the board or to the plate to be able to turn it into something that can be valuable to you. Because yeah. you know you could have a, a piece of property that is sitting out in no man's land, and people don't even value that because it's got no value. But then when you put it in yeah. the heart of Sydney, city city, it's worth millions of dollars. So yes. you know, go figure. It's exactly the same property, but just in different location. And yeah. if you look at it from that kind of perspective, you ask yourself, what is it that makes this property so valuable to the other? It's because people value that one over the other and in order for that property to to succeed and, and to be part of your portfolio or to add it to your portfolio and do whatever you need to actually have a mindset behind that to educate how do you acquire a property like that how do you develop it or how do you add value to it so that way you can generate eg income or do whatever you want with it whether it be living it or you know sell it etc so mm. yeah you got to have that knowledge in order to do it because property is just property but it's what you do with it yeah, it's a very good idea. I often say myself, Tyrone, that uh, if uh, I got a better return out of kebabs than I did out of houses, I would invest in kebabs. Mm. But the house is, is a money money box in the shape of a house that enables you, it's an enabler to allow you to do other things long term and, and to secure your future and, and replace your income ultimately. Uh, so it's it's good that you think about that and and you, you mentioned the comparison with the stock market what i love about property it's it's it is actually an imperfect market there is no uh you know in the stock market everyone knows what the going price is but every property in every area is is completely different so when people talk about a property market i i often smile because there isn't really a property market there's a there's thousands of properties in an area that all have different attributes and different um uh, attractability measures, and then it then it's the the wild card is that one person might absolutely love a property, and another person's going to hate it. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and that that's the that's the great diversity, the interest, and and therefore, I think the ongoing ability for property to, to be a, uh, a a very strong uh, asset class because of the fact that uh, it does have that diversity. Definitely. No, that's awesome, mate. Uh, what about um, are there? Is there a sort of a common 
uh, strategy that you've picked up uh, from the discussions that you think um, uh, has the most merit to you? Well, I mean, it, it's interesting you ask that question because I've interviewed so many different investors and developers and, and renovators and so forth because I've, I've had a broad range of people. I mean, at mm. the end of the day, the ultimate goal for everyone who's actually been an investor is to build long-term wealth. You know, that, that is yeah. a very much the overhanging underlying uh, message that they want. Um, it doesn't matter whichever way they go because everyone has different um, interests and passions and um, strategies that they want to implement. But um, I, I guess for me, the majority of them have been mostly buy and hold and that, that seems yep. to be the, the whole um, foundational aspect. So buy, hold and potentially add value by through renovations or subdivision or whatever you do. Um, yep. But what I've noticed is that a lot of the people who are actually growing massive wealth and, and taking it to the next level are in property development. And I've had a lot of property yes. developers on the podcast as well share their story. And they say usually what happens is once you've got a foundational portfolio and you've, you've built up to enough that's coming you financially free, then what happens next is usually you delve into property development and, and from property development, you're able to, instead of um, buying the property, um, to just hold you actually add value or create additional value and you're yes. pretty much making money <laughs> um, yes. like printing money i should say printing money in your own backyard so i, I that's what has kind of interested me further to look into because ultimately the biggest and the most wealthiest people like take for example harry trickerboth or um you know people like in in westfield like the owner of westfields um yeah. Frank Lowy, they all own and develop property. So, yeah, yeah the the wealthiest and the biggest people in in the um in across Australia have been investing into developments, and I think yeah. that will continue no matter what. Because at the end of the day, there's not going to ever be enough um, supply, particularly in New South Wales, for the current land that we have, and that's the reason why, for example, the government is spending and pushing a lot of money into growth areas for developers to come into you know, invest into more developments and growing exactly. more properties because, yeah, our populations continuously grow all across Australia. And it, even though we say that, yes, it goes up and down cycles and some, some part of the cycles we don't have enough supply and other parts we always have over demand and so forth, they will balance out at the end of the day and they will require that there's a lot more people to um, supply a need of properties for. Um, just to give you an example, like in northwest of Sydney, from what I read recently, um, yep. By 2030, they're apparently saying that we'll need to establish at least a minimum of another 100,000 plus homes. Yeah. That's a lot of homes. <laughs> Massive. And yeah. it, uh, the other, other couple of things too because, uh, you know, there's depending on the government, they may turn on on or turn off the popula the uh, immigration exercise. But mm. what, what people are also forgetting is that uh, household sizes have dropped by 40% over the last 20 years. Yes. So that's you know, to house the same number of people, we need 40% more. And uh, with improvements in health, people are longer. I mean, they're thinking that uh, the average age of a, a, an Australian in the not-too-distant future is going to be 95, and that's a 10-year increase. So if you add longevity to smaller household sizes to population growth, both internally and on positive immigration, it's, that's a massive 
demand driver for property. So when people talk about property bubbles and, and all the rest of it, I, I again smile on the inside because uh, we've got such massive drivers and such shortages around the country that property will continue to be a vehicle that um, will do well. You're just, you're gonna, we're just going to need to be a bit fussier in terms of uh, where because it'll be jobs and income uh, that will tend to drive value. So yeah. Uh, Absolutely. So, but that's what's exciting, I think. That's awesome. Fantastic. Well, I am going to encourage everyone listening to, if they haven't already, to jump onto Property Investory. It's a, an awesome podcast. I love the format. Uh, you really get the best out of people, mate. You've got a great style in terms of you're obviously really and make it very comfortable for people to open up and give a warts and all, uh, which is sensational. Mate, I, I just want to sort of um, – close now by doing what I call the ambush. Uh, it's a bit of a bushfire <laughs> lightning round, but uh, working off the old um, bushy tag. So um, uh, let's start with uh, what's your favourite quote and why? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> never give up. I think that that is something that always continuously sits in my mind because there are times where it can get hard and there'll be challenges that will come along the way and if you continue to persevere and, and overcome those challenges you know life isn't that hard at all like if you're in a situation where you've got a gun to your head and you're going to die then different story there but most of the yeah. challenges in the in the first world country are very very small comparison to that so never give up and keep going yeah brilliant awesome now, you've already mentioned a couple of these, so let's look for a, a different version. But what's the top book you recommend and why? And we've talked about, uh, before our work week, we've talked about uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, you're an avid reader. What else would you suggest people read? Yeah, it's it's a really good question. Um, I'm trying to think. There's There's been a few books that I've been reading recently and and what's really been interesting for me, actually, yeah. I should mention there's there's been not not just necessarily the books that I've been reading, but also some particular podcasts. But I'll I'll mention a few of the the um, right. books I've been reading as well. The first one comes to mind is the Five Second Rule: Transform Yourself yes. by Mel Robbins. That is yes. amazing. I I love that, and I apply that every day. Right. Like okay. whenever there's something that you know straight away yes. that's holding me back. Five, four, three, two, four, one, three, and just three, two, one, and just do it. You know, <laughs> it's awesome, isn't it? It's the best. yeah. Sonia and I have uh, locked onto it as well. It's just, it's just brilliant. It, it enables you to break through stuff that otherwise you'd dwell on, chew on for for days and weeks. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah it's 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 really good in that sense because um, <laughs> yeah, you, you just get things done. And it's nothing particularly related to property, but it, it helps with mindset as well. And I think that's that's yeah. been a really good book. Another one is called the Million Dollar One Person Business. Um, more business okay. related. Uh, it, these are this type of book is talks about the people who have successfully created a million dollar turnover in their businesses just running a one man or two man show at most. You know, when I say one man, they they run it by themselves, but they also have um, outsourcers and and people who they don't necessarily have employed in their business. So that that's really interesting because that kind of gives them a lifestyle. Like so, if you're running yeah. an online business. You can pretty much be a nomad traveling around the world or you can be location uh, independent pretty much. So, that, yes. that's been a really, really good book for me. Another awesome podcast which I listen to on a day-to-day -day basis and is called How 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 They Built This or How I Built This, sorry. Um, pretty much, yeah, How I Built This is a podcast about how very successful 
um, even billionaires actually, successful entrepreneurs such as like Mark Cuban, uh, people who who have just built this amazing big large businesses and it's just insights into what it is and it's created, actually it used to be, um, oh, I think it is still owned by NPR which is a, a radio station over in the US but they interview some amazing, okay. amazing um, successful entrepreneurs and yeah, you'll just get, get some really good insight into that. So I think yeah. that's been an awesome podcast. Um, yeah, that, those are pretty much that's the brilliant. key ones I listen to and, and read yeah. as well. Well, there's a couple there I haven't heard of, mate. So thanks for that. I'm, I'm going to leap all over those. That's 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 really good because I'm, I'm like you, an avid reader, an avid. I'm a podcast freak and uh, always looking for for great stuff that I can just be um, injecting some positivity into the equation. So that's awesome, mate. Um, a little bit of a, a change on this quick one. What's the top thing that you've done to pay less tax over your journey so far? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that is really left to her field. It is. It is. I, it's a bit of a. It's a bit of a hobby horse of mine. I, Australians pay too much tax. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. I agree. Go into business to to try and uh, optimize. Properties are very useful in that regard. Do I have any for me? Are there, there anything specific that um, has helped you reduce your tax burden? Well. Um, Depreciation reports always definitely help. So if you haven't ever had a depreciation depreciation report, particularly for any new property, um, that has been a great way to reduce tax. But also too, um, depends on if you're an employee or business owner. But I, I would recommend um, actually probably don't take me as legal or, or financial advice, but um, run a business at sometimes because when you run a business, there's a lot more that you can claim compared to being an employee as well too. So that's probably been yeah another yeah. way that I've been able to minimize tax. Yeah, no, that perfect. All right, mate. Um, what's a personal habit you feel contributes to your investment success? Exercise. Exercise daily has been one of the things that really, really helped because I can definitely tell if I don't exercise regularly, um, my mind just starts to to get um, a little bit. It drifts off a little bit because it, your body isn't in sync, and also to eating well. So. I think at the end of the day, if you spend a bit of time exercising and eating well, your mind really, really um, loves you for it as well too. So those are probably the two contributing habits that for me has been linked to my success. Yeah, brilliant. They're absolutely foundational. I absolutely, totally agree, mate. I'm a crusty old bugger and I still exercise every day. <laughs> you need to. For, for all yeah, I, I do, yeah, mate. For, for me, I mean, <laughs> everyone needs to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now um, just to, to close on there, mate. Uh, what's the best piece of investment advice you've ever received, and the worst? Hmm. What's the best piece? <laughs> These are uh, really, really interesting questions. I'm, I'm thinking this one through. Uh, okay, so I, I think with best investment advice is seek as many opinions or experts. Uh, yeah, expert advice first before actually jumping in. So if somebody says to you, no, that you can't do this, then go out and find three or four others who will, who will tell you the same thing. Until you've got enough mm. of those opinions, then it will verify because it's still easy just to go in and get one and they say no and then you go, no, I'm not going to try it. Sometimes you need to look at it from all different angles and perspectives. And, and this, the reason why I say that is because when I'm looking at, say, for example, a deal, Somebody might say to you, look, you know, you can only put maybe four townhouses on this block. But when you speak to other town planners and you've seen it in the other areas that it's possible they can put, say, six, 
you've got an extra yep. opportunity to put an extra two townhouses, which could mean an extra few hundred thousand dollars worth of profit there. So, you know, yep. don't give up yet until you actually get as many answers as possible. Now, in yep. terms of the worst investment advice, I think it's like, <laughs> I'd probably say to not not to spend enough time or due diligence um, on something. Yes. So I'm just trying to think how to say it in a way where it's not the best advice. It's, oh, okay, good, good one. Okay, this happens a lot. When I'm at a, at a party or I'm with family or, or people who are just, you know, not interested or that really into the property and they say to you, look, you know, that area is not that good or, you know, why are you investing to that? And they don't even have a portfolio themselves. I would say they're probably the worst people to listen to. So people who, who don't walk the talk and don't have their own portfolio or even invest in property but just tell you advice, um, whether it be family, friends and stuff like that, yes. they're the worst advice to take because they mean well but they don't have the knowledge that you may have as well. Yeah, it's brilliant. I, it's funny uh, in my book, The Freedom Formula, I talk about the the uh, the law of inverse investment, and it goes simply like this: the people who talk the loudest about uh, uh, investing uh, and and most negatively are the ones that don't do any. Mm-hmm. So um, it's really interesting. The ones that are, uh, who do it quite often don't say much because they don't have to. But the ones that uh, are very vocal about it often don't do anything and poo-poo anyone who tries to. It's uh, really interesting. Yeah. Now, that's awesome, mate. I, I love that. Look, I uh, I know you're a busy man, mate, and I'm very, very appreciative of you taking this time. Uh, I just felt very comfortable with you right from the very first time you and I uh, connected through the property investory. Um, keep up the fantastic work, mate. I uh, And it keen to, to stay close to you. Uh, it's just um, you meet some people sometimes that you just feel comfortable with and uh, I like the journey, I like your values, uh, I like what you're doing to uh, share knowledge with others. Uh, So we continue to support and would love another opportunity at some stage in the future to um, uh, have you back on, get invested uh, as your journey grows with Property Investory. Oh, thank you. the country's a very small place, mate, and the like minds are very few and far between. So I'm, I'm sure uh, we'll be um, supporting each other in, in some fashion or another as we continue to do that, mate. So thanks for your time today. Thank you so much for your kind words, Bush. You really, really appreciate it. And yeah, love to be back on sometime in the future. Brian, thanks, Tyrone. We'll talk soon. Likewise. How good was that? I hope you enjoyed it. To get a summary of all the investment gold and to get a copy of the show notes, email me on hello at khgroup.com.au. That's H-E-L-L-O at khgroup.com.au. Or check us out at www.khgroup.com.au forward slash invested. And join me next week for another episode of the Get Invested podcast. Thanks for listening. And as always, dream as if you'll live forever and live as if you'll die tomorrow.